welcome to They Coined It. I'm Roberta Lip. I'm Dan Jasper. And we cover Mad Men episode by episode, but not today. <laughs> <laughs> Except when we don't. It is our holiday schmooze, a little vo- v- b- 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 a little viewer mail, and uh, a little nothing much, and we love you kind of an episode. How's that sound, Dan? I think it's great. That's the kind of episode I want to listen to. We always invite you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash theycoinditpod. And that is, uh, members there can join our They Joined It, which we are recording on January 14th. Um, and also, keep those five-star reviews coming. Hey, now. <laughs> so, you know... Listen, sometimes the reviews are just so perfect. And our latest one, which is a solid three, which brings us all the way down. Blah, 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 blah. Roberta always interrupts Dan. Blah, 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 blah. Roberta's the worst. Dan's the best. And then, and that's fine. You know, listen, that's fine. Roberta, I wrote, I wrote it as best I could. I had to get it in there. See, I you knew know, it, I was it was you. My duty. Because yeah. the, ta- the tell was, and Roberta's voice is so annoying. That's how we communicate on this podcast, this whole operation. We talk to each other through Apple podcast reviews. If there is a woman podcaster who has not received such a review that ends mm-hmm. with, and her voice is so annoying, I haven't heard of her yet. Hey, man, keep them coming. Keep them coming. <laughs> I did like the part. I don't have it. It was um, something like, Dan is such a gentleman. I know. I think was the- <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. That's that's the first word that comes to Take mind. Take it where you can get I... it, people. Take it where you can get it. <laughs> Think of Dan. Oh dear. I do want to give a shout out to um I think it's I I believe it's the same handle on Instagram and Twitter, Mad Men Quotes. Oh yeah. They nailed it this week. So the one of these one of the big stories is this newly elected member of Congress from upstate New York somewhere. Oh my no, god. Maybe it's Long Island. I don't know. No, I don't know either, but he's George Santos. An entire fake person. (laughs) Totally made up, like everything. And he was the guy. It's wild even for the Republicans. It is. He's gay. He's Republican. He's conservative. He's He's, he's, uh, Latinx. Like, he's the perfect Republican, right? He's like. Well, yeah. He's like a bot. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, I think he was created in a lab because turns out nothing on this resume is true. So Mad Men quotes cuts and pastes in um, Duck's description of Bob Benson to Pete. Yay, perfectly timed. (laughs) (laughs) Right on time. You know, like like this, you know, the only the the only firm stupid enough to hire him who didn't do the due diligence was you guys, you know, basically. So uh, I thought that was not only perfect timing because it's in our season, but um, a beautiful pull from the Mad Men quotes people. Listen, we're not that good at that. Oh, God, no. I'm always, you know, the best we do is make it our Instagram story when somebody else nails something timely or a holiday. It's all we can do to get this shit up on the web, people. Please. <laughs> but um, I believe that that quote comes from the last episode of the season that we have not yet posted, which will happen in January, I think. It's great. Spoiler. So, so great. Um, No, I love it. That's very funny. I didn't see that. Yeah, good stuff. So... Wait, what are you doing for what? Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, people. 
It's been the best Hanukkah for the, ever. For all who celebrate. For, <laughs> and happy Christmas for all who celebrate, because that's always how it's said. Um, we did a uh, we did a little thing at my sister's with with her daughter and her daughter's partner and my sister and her spouse and my niece, who is just starting to cook. She's like in her 30s and she's like, maybe I should cook. And she um she made the latkes. Nice. Now she used the mix, which I told her to do, because I think the mixes are delicious. I don't see why you should go through the hell. It's a it's Ants contra- don't always have the right recommendations, but... Yeah, I'm seeing your face. We'll give you a pass on this, Roberta. I mean, I just... I happen to... A mix, no, honestly. The, the, I think the Manischewitz or the Strites or whatever, Laka mixes are just fine. Obviously, you don't. Anyway, point is, I didn't torture her with that, with the grating. Well, this and the, was fun while it lasted. You are questioning your... I was yes. going to say homophobic. Uh, <laughs> Your reaction is homophobic, um, which lot, means nothing. I, I'm, I'm laka mixophobic. I'll, t- I'll, I'll cop so, that. But anyway, she cooked them perfectly. There was like a panic moment of like, oh my God, I think I'm ruining everything. I'm thinking burning everything. And then it was perfect, perfect latkes, which is a big deal if you if you aren't like, if you don't have like good, like- You're not a 70-year-old grandma. Well, yeah, if you don't have like strong facility in front of a stove and there she, anyway, happy Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning a lot about Roberta's niece at the moment. Um, yeah, we had a nice the kid. The kids are home from college. We've got we've got Aww. two away. Um, so getting them home was was an, not an ordeal. It actually went quite smoothly. But uh, we got them home. They're here. We had a nice. Uh, it took it, it took a while. We had one home five days before the other. So we finally got everybody in, and then uh, had a nice Hanukkah dinner. Tuesday night, or Monday night, rather, even though Hanukkah started Sunday night. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's, it's good. We're started. We're off. We're off. I'm sure you've all heard this before, but just, it's not an important holiday. It's only an important holiday. The big the big three are Passover, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Hanukkah is a side, is a side show, except in the world where Christmas is so elevated. It, yeah, there's, we there's, bumped it up. We bumped it up. And, uh, you know, so if we do it the second, it's not like Christmas Eve and we're all going to like freak. It, it's not, you can't take Christmas and just push it up a day or back a day. Right. But Hanukkah, we, you know, we got eight of them. We're fine. When we were kids, yeah. we did it every night. You know, we had the big presents the first night well, and the last why. night. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, when you create a culture around Christmas, Hanukkah is going to get elevated. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. Sure. Hanukkah tree, whatever. Anyway. I think for Christmas, we're still going to just do uh, Chinese. It's very traditional. Classic. Yeah. We do Christmas Eve over at my sister's again. I don't know. We generally do a homemade thing. We haven't talked about it yet. Being as we just did Hanukkah over there, maybe uh, maybe we'll we'll do some take in. Uh, oh, so food. I got one little recommendation, one little new kick I'm on. Citrus olives? So I'm in one of these little cute little niche delis that, that – pops up in my neighborhood and and there's this thing called citrus olives and I bought them this goes back several months and I'm like in love with them and she's like don't throw away that marinade like use it and I fall in love with the marinade and it's the very green olives the I can't remember what they're called but those very green olives in this like marinade so anyway I, I was buying it and it was really expensive and stupid and I was like let me look it up and I google it and apparently it's a thing because 50 recipes drop down oh. so I did my first batch and then it's so it's olive oil and it's orange and lemon and you could put whatever herbs in you want. I put in some fresh 
thyme and a little bit of rosemary and some garlic and you just marinate it and you can base a sauce around it. I just fried some eggs in it. Like it's my new thing. I'm actually, I made a little, I'm making a little batch as a gift for a couple people just because, isn't that lovely? I don't do these things. I don't. It's very crafty. It's a little crafty. Mm. Hmm. All right. And then we're going to be, for New Year's, we'll, we're, we're going to do one of our great New Year's countdowns. Uh, we're counting down the top 10 of something. Dan will let us know when we do it. From our Patreon, Jenna Hockman, <laughs> it's through your Bob Benson as a cipher conversation that I finally got some headcanon clarity on, the, on his coming on to Pete. I believe Bob Benson is gay, but he is not romantically interested in Pete. He may be. <laughs> I am too. Go on. Go on. <laughs> he may be very interested in ingratiating himself to Pete to help himself professionally, but he hasn't been in love with him, which is why, upon learning of Pete's homophobia, he comes on to him. It's a new tactic to use Pete as a foothold, this time through intimidation. Now that he knows a weakness, he can exploit it to make Pete very uneasy and make Pete act impetuously, which we see pan out with the partners. Here's what I'm going to say to that. Oh, my God. It's brilliant, but there's nothing indicating it. So it's either really great fanfic or it's the kind of thing that Matt Weiner thinks is obvious. (laughs) Well, you're dead on. We have no fucking idea what you're talking about. But it is a great great vision. I will... uh... I'll submit one piece of potential evidence, mm-hmm. and it's 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 something I noticed, and I think I mentioned on the on the when we talked about it. But now you can reinterpret that evidence along Jenna's lines, which is the look on Bob's face when Pete calls Manolo a degenerate or whatever his first mm. slur was. That. Um, that look on Bob's face was unmistakable, like, okay, I'm going to get this guy. It wasn't like disappointment. It, it was sort of like, yeah, all right, now I've, I've got the, got a, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go after him. So you could interpret that along what Jen is saying to be like, that was the switch. That was the pivot where now he's, he's going to, now that puts an awful lot of credibility into Bob's. <laughs> You know, his uh, cunning and and right. perceptiveness. But sure, why not? But I mean, it okay. also does explain the poor timing that you and I could not explain. Right, right, right. It does, it does explain right? that. I can. Right. That's kind of, I think, where it edged me open a little bit on this. <laughs> Jenna. <like. laughs> I, love, I mean, I love, I love Jenna with these. I, she's she's so great because you, she, you know what? She never, she'll never propose something that is implausible or half-baked there's always plausibility or half-baked yeah. it is always fully plausible within what we see in here there's yeah no it's not ridiculous it's not like that's ridiculous no that's a dumbass you know she, that's no. right she's always or like she's that missing works. something that would contradict it right. and make it implausible it's just it's always plausible so kudos i love that i love that <laughs> pop <Benson. laughs> asher mercer so again, these are you know these these are names we've now heard before we we've uh, from our Patreon right. So these are yep. this is where the like the former life of the blog sort of lives. Like people just get to like ugh, do big long and talk to each other and um, 
And then we do those sometimes. So re Abe and Peggy, these days we can recognize Abe not snitching to the cop as trying to be in solidarity with the poor people in the neighborhood, which, you know, is what he was professing to do. That was my commentary. Mm. But he's also a hypocrite because what he actually did in encouraging Peggy to move there was to propagate the gentrification of the area. Fair enough. Now, she goes on. I've always found it deeply ironic that for all his judgments of her, Abe's biggest contribution to Peggy's life will end up being getting her to invest in a property that will be worth several million dollars one day. Spoiler. And I bet she stayed until the Upper West Side got all Tony and white. For sure. But like, let's, but let's, let's explore that just for a second. You know, people always should talk gentrification and I, I, I understand why, but it's sort of like, look, I think, I think Abe's premise for them living there was genuine. Our kids, diversity, you know, Upper East Side, really, is that us? I can, I can, I can be down with that as a, as a set of, um, justifications for, for choosing a neighborhood, right? Um, but then to say that that promulgates gentrification and that's bad, it's sort of like, look, they're just people living in a neighborhood. And if they need a bank and nicer banks or more, more prominent banks come into the neighborhood, as a result of more people valuing diversity, look, that's not, they can't be responsible for that, right? Cause these things, not, not everything that's a, an effect of some cause can be linked back to that cause. And therefore you're negatively responsible for it. It's just like, look, yeah, the, the, it brings good things. Diversity brings good and bad. It brings positive and negative. It brings what we want and some of what we don't want. We got to live with it. That's, that's life. That's the way the world works. So. I, I'm I'm not always down with that gentrification argument as such. I think um uh, so we we talked about um what's the new podcast I recommended with Michael Hobbs? Uh You're wrong about? Well, you're wrong about's the old one and that that one often would end with turns out it was capitalism the whole time. Yeah. So like right, similarly right. what what Michael talks about a lot in the new one which is books books that if books could kill. Um Right, and we right. talked about the Malcolm Gladwell. What I didn't, what I didn't bring up when we talked about it that he always brings up is, it's the policy stuff. It's it's when these bad ideas get in and become policy, or mm-hmm. these good ideas do not become policy, and that is obviously the most oversimplified words yeah. a person could use. I have a podcast about madmen, not about <laughs> these greater these greater things, but. Yeah, no, I I don't think that Abe, first of all, was it even being talked about? Was Abe even aware of like gentrification and what it could do to no. a, a neighborhood? Oh no, my God. I, I am. And I'm in a gentrified and gentrifying neighborhood. And, and you know, what do you examine about that? Yeah, 60 years later. Right. So, but but it's also like, it's sort of like the personal recycling versus can we get the corporations to just stop shitting in our oceans? Or, you know what I mean? Like there's Sure, but listen. I'm not saying personal responsibility doesn't have a role, but let's look at the bigger policy policies that are really what is crushing a neighborhood that is dis uh not disenfranchising, but you know, disproportionately um Favoring well, to that, and, and to that point, you know, at that point people. in time in the sixties, um, it was slum clearance that was really crushing the Upper West Side, right? And that was policy driven, that was federally mandated in some cases. Um, you know, Lincoln uh Lincoln Center 
was, you know, a, a rundown neighborhood of residents and people with lives and lived their whole lives there. And, uh, it was just all swept away to make Lincoln Center. You I mean, didn't see West Side Story. You didn't see the Sondheim. I saw Sondheim. Not I the saw Sondheim. Sondheim. The, it, it, it's specifically about that. Yeah. Uh, Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that that I didn't even know about that. And I think you and I have kicked around like Upper West Side and me being confused about it because Mrs. Maisel is also Upper West Side and, and, and around, you know, early 60s, late 50s. And yes, I, yes. it was confusing. Well, but her address was like 116th Street. It was like Upper yeah. Uh, and yeah. like Riverside Drive, like like not. Yeah, the Upper West Side, not not a homogeneous, uh, right? You know, set of set of streets and blocks, right? For sure, anyway, for sure. It was capitalism the whole time. Well, yeah, of course, but that's but that but that's America, and you can't blame, you know, the nice the, the nice the restaurateur who sees an up and coming neighborhood and says, "Oh, I'm gonna." Put my restaurant there because it's changing and it's, you know, I'm going to have better business success there. That's not a bad individual decision. And you can't blame the city that wants to encourage the up and coming neighborhoods to to continue to to be socioeconomically. Well, thriving. you can blame the city when it's at the expense of. Ex- well, yes, of exactly. The people but, who've lived there their whole right. lives and, and not you're every running decision. Them out. Right. And so slum clearance, bad. Um, you know, hey, we want to want to want to move our um, our business that that's attractive to uh, to upwardly mobile families. That's not a bad decision. That's that's smart. Anyway, what have we learned? West Side Nothing. Story zero was a gem, and if anything. you missed it, go back and see it. It's really, I think, it really slipped through the 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 cracks, and I think it should be regarded as a masterpiece. The the Spielberg remake. I didn't care for it. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> You're, I'm wrong about West Side Story. So here's what was funny. There were two, two of our patrons, uh, Jenna, again, Jenna Hockman and uh, Marion Hodges. Both. <laughs> um, Jenna said, before listening to your episode comment, I feel like I'm the only person alive that thinks The Crash is a magnificent Mad Men episode and pulls so many series and season spanning threads together. I and I was like, ooh. <laughs> and then uh Hey, go for Marianne, it. Marion, hey y'all, I watched the first half of The Crash last night, so I haven't listened to the pod. Very excited for that per the comments here. This is certainly among my least rewatched. No, that wasn't the one. There was somebody else. I now I don't I didn't pull it. Somebody else, and it might have been it might have been Marion, somebody else was like, I haven't listened yet, but it's one of my favorites. Like there were at least two of those. And I was like, oh, so sorry. (laughs) Um, Aaron Court O'Brien, your dislike of this episode is causing me to reevaluate why I like it. I understand Mm. not enjoying the strange delivery. I really enjoy it. The chaos of the disjointed and drug infused delivery feels like a tragic exclamation point and is also just entertaining. I mean, Don running circles in the office. Come on. Look, some rewatch podcasts uh, actively make you want to um, enjoy the subject of the podcast more. We've decided to go the other way. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> now an anti-Mad Men podcast. Yeah. Oh, you liked it? Well, we're going to tell you why you shouldn't. No, I mean. I think that's been our take. I think, um, anyway, this ends up being a super long comment that I'm not reading all of, but but I really... You know, I just I just said back to him, like, I appreciate 
I hope, I appreciate that it's just making you think more, you know, the whole point of any of these discussions, any blog, anything is, oh, I didn't think of that. I didn't look at it that way. Doesn't mean we're right or wrong, except, you know, when I'm right, that goes back to our very first uh, review that we mentioned. <laughs> Dan. Um, no, but you know, that it, it, anytime I re- I love reading something or, or hearing a conversation about something that I am familiar with that makes me think, oh, that's right. Or, or puts it, oh, it's like, oh, that's exactly kind of what I always thought, but I never fully crystallized the thought. So we're yeah. here to help. Yeah. Even uh, even when we hate it. And Look, we hate good episode, not so good episode. The conversation should at least be thoughtful. So that's, <clears throat> that's the best we can do. And sometimes, frankly, we don't even reach that level. Of doing our best. No. Of being thoughtful. <laughs> I know I don't. All right. That's that's kind of it. It's 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 been a long year, um, this decade. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Soon. Happy Christmas, as the it's Beatles like Hanukkah to say. Hanukkah now. Yes. And we will be back before the new year rings in. Is that accurate? Yeah. With a uh, a New Year's countdown. We're going to do a countdown. I haven't decided what it's going to be yet. The countdown subject. It'll be related to Mad Men, presumably. It will be Mad Men related and will likely go from 10 to 1, I think. So keep your eyes out. Keep your ears out for that. I think we should do top 10 Mad Men gifts and then just show them because it's uh, such a visual medium, this podcast. Okay. All right. Top 10. You're in charge top of 10 that, gifts. Number you 10. Did, that's your project. This one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. You all, thank you for, you know, just being with us this year and uh, and into next year and for our final season. Season seven. A little on teary. Deck. A little teary. Wrapping up. Thanks, guys. Thank you.